Righto. Good morning. Thanks for the intro, Ned. That was great. How is everyone? Good? Good? Well, it's good to be up here and I am excited to preach. I feel like preaching this morning. So I'm pumped. I'm tired, but I'm pumped to preach because I really feel that God's got something awesome for us this morning. Um, but before I get into it, um, I do have something to give to everybody today uh, for you to take home. Don't leave this church without it today because your life will be worse off and it'll be better if you get one. And it's the newsletter for what's happening uh, with Scripture in Mullumbimby High School. And uh, just, it's only, look how short it is. It's like that short, so short. You're so lucky because I could have quite easy made it about that long. I tell you why, because God is doing stuff in Mullumbimby High School. And it is very, very good. It's very good. Every day, I tell you, every single day, there's something said, there's, you know, an interaction in a classroom, there's, there's something every single day that I'm at school, whether it's with a teacher, whether it's with a student. And you know what? It's the church, not just this church, it's the community of churches, there's a whole backing of churches that support this thing and pray for this thing and get behind it and it's just God is doing stuff in the school, God's presence is in the school, I know his presence is in those classrooms when I'm there and uh, it is awesome and I'm not going to give you a whole bunch of stories today, I could have given you 50 minutes worth of stories but... (laughs) Not today, but I'll tell you about one day. This is the day I had uh, just last week, and this is an encouraging day. And I think pretty much most of us know that for this whole year, I didn't have Year 7. We had some difficulty with getting Year 7, enrolments. It was a bit of a struggle. Um, But this term, it came through, and so this year I've been having Year 7, and it has been the best. It is so much fun. They, They didn't know... They were, like, freaking out. Like, these kids, when they come in, they still change is like weird to them. They're like, what's going on here? We're supposed to have maths. I want to have maths. <laughs> and they're freaking out. They heard it's religion. I'm not religious. Miss, like what's going on? They're like freaking out about what's about to happen. Um, but I calmed their nerves and assured them that um, it won't be too scary. And uh, they've been great. And in this one day, uh, this is three comments that I heard from three different students in just one day. And first class was one year seven, and we finished the class, and this kid, um, he just, on his way out, he's handed back in his workbook, and he just looks at me, and he goes, I'm really enjoying this, sir. (sighs) That is good. That's so good. He's really enjoying this class. Anyway, same day, another class, and um, actually, sorry, this was when I was walking back to the, the staff room. And I'm just walking along and here comes this group of girls that are going somewhere else. And they walk past and go, it's the Jesus guy! <laughs> the Jesus man! And they're so stoked. And I heard, they walk past and I heard one girl say to a friend, I wish we could have religion every day. <laughs> just, boom. And then her friend turns to her and says, yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. And then just to the trifecta for the day, final class of the day, in with Year 7, 
And uh, so I've got the class, and there's one kid in this class who does non-religion. So his parents have signed him to, to not be in the class. Anyway, um, the teacher didn't turn up to the class, and normally what happens is that guy would go with the teacher and, and they go and do something else. But anyway, the teacher didn't come, and so I'm kind of stuck in this position. I can't just send him out. Um, and so I just said, hey, look, today's going to be a pretty chill lesson. We're just doing a bit of intro stuff. You're more than welcome just to sit and stay here for today. And he was like, yeah, that's cool, man, I'll see it, oh, cool. <laughs> and uh, so he sat and, and through, the, through the class, and at the end of the class, he goes, I'm bringing a note so I can stay. Whoa. So he wants to bring a note, and he's coming into religion. Isn't that cool? So your life will be better if you get what? One of these. It's just a little bit about what's happening, and uh, just stuff that I see happening in the school and in their lives. And... Um, there is a number here, SMS prayer chain, and I can encourage you, if you want to um, stay up to date, get little updates, get involved in the prayer, praying for this ministry, um, please just send me your number and um, I'll put you into that group and uh, it'll be good. All right, let's preach. We're good, okay. All right, so uh, we're in the upper room theme still here uh, in this series that we are doing and we're looking at what is it in a Christian's life look like living out of that place where the Holy Spirit is the leader of our life, the Holy Spirit consumes our life, the Holy Spirit is where we get our nourishment, the Holy Spirit is where we just dwell and live our life out of that place, living in that upper room. And today I have titled my message, Crossing the River of Impossible. Crossing the river of impossible. And I just believe that all of us, in all different areas of our life, we have promised lands that we are yet to enter into. Areas financially, areas relationally, areas in ministry, areas in work, areas um, in, in projects that you put your hand to. Areas in absolutely all different things that I believe there's a promised land for them and we're yet to enter into them. And when I talk about this promised land, because I'm going to be talking about promised land a bit today, I'm talking about that place because, you see, God promised to his people a land that would be flowing with milk and honey. And who loves pizza? <laughs> Oh, thank you, Jesus. A land flowing that is a good land, that is a land which is a comfortable land, which is a nice land to be in, which is a pleasant land, which is a place where you're happy to be in. In all these different areas. What? That's my sister-in-law. Wow. <laughs> That's the best. Wow. She's from WA, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, everybody. Thanks, Alana. And I just believe this morning, I believe for us as a church in all different areas of our lives, for us corporately and us individually, I just have a sense that the timing is right to cross over that river impossible 
and to enter into our promised land in whatever area it is. Because God's people came to a point in their journey where they could, the land was there, but there was a river in the way. And once upon a time, I had a river in my life which I had to get across and it was almost impossible. It was actually more than a river, it was a sea. And it was a sea that stretched from Hong Kong to Australia. So here, you want a story, YWAM students. Who's the leaders on the YWAM this one, anyone, got any YWAM leaders? Yes, here we go. This one's a great encouragement for you. So a couple of years ago, I was on staff with YWAM Byron Bay and we had an amazing outreach in Cambodia. We'd been there for 10 weeks and after 10 weeks of being in Southeast Asia, I tell you, the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey is Australia. <laughs> Do you want to get home so badly? And when you have four girls in your team... They want to get home about 10 times badder than you back to that <laughs> land. <laughs> anyway, long story short, we've flown from Cambodia and we had to stop in Hong Kong and then we we're going to come to Australia. We got to Hong Kong and we missed the aeroplane. There was some leader responsible and <laughs> I don't know what happened, but that guy got it wrong. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But everyone missed the plane except for, get this, one person missed, got on the plane. And guess which person it was? It was the person on the DTS where every single day is going, where is this guy? He's late. Where is he? He's supposed to be... He's brushing his teeth and everyone's in the van ready to go. He's still getting... Like, where is he? Where is lost? Anyway, he was the only guy who actually got on the aeroplane. And get this... When we got to Hong Kong, because we all split our own ways and went our own ways, he never saw anybody. That whole time we were waiting in Hong Kong, he never saw anybody. So he didn't know if we were dead. He didn't know what had happened. We never turned up. And he was the last one standing there at the gate and he got on the aeroplane. And he's flying in midair. He has no idea what happened to the rest of his team. That guy passed his DTS. <laughs> he, he passed. Anyway, so what happened with the story was that, um, so we're freaked out. Oh my gosh, the girls are crying. It's my fault. This is bad. And the lady comes up to me and she says, look, this is how it's going to work. There's two more flights um, home tonight with our airline. Um, if there's any leftover seats, you can take them. Um, if there's, after that, you guys will have to pay for your tickets in the morning. Whew, heavy. All right, we weren't cashed up, if you can know what I mean. And anyway, so the first plane comes, 8.30, and I, thank you, Jesus, I almost did a backflip right there. All four girls got on that plane. That was a good moment. That was a really good moment. All four girls got on that plane. And then it was just me and one other bloke, and we're, okay, here we go. And the lady comes over to us, and she says, look, this is how it's going to work. You guys, you go sit over there, and at 11 o'clock, come up to this desk, come to the counter, and we'll tell you what's going to happen. And so for two and a half hours, the longest two and a half hours of my life, we sat there and waited and prayed and prayed and prayed. And I don't know how many times you can say, Lord Jesus, I just pray for a seat on that plane. <laughs> but we were the persistent better widow begging. Sorry, there we go. We were begging. Anyway, this is what happened. 11 o'clock comes, and so we go up to the, the desk, and we get to the desk, and the lady asked for our passport, and that was a good feeling. Because when she asks for your passport, she wants your details. And she starts punching in. And then next minute, out comes these tickets. 
here you go. And, you know, she leant over to us and she said, here's your tickets. Now, what you have to do, listen to me carefully, what you have to do, your plane, if you want to get on that plane, is leaving in five minutes. You need to go right now. You need to not stop. You need to go right now. See that sign? Follow that sign and you need to get to that gate. Here's your ticket. Go now. And we had to... It was... Has anyone been to Hong Kong airport? That is a big airport. We ran to the train station, had to get on the train, train, go all the way to the end of the line, and then we still had to run to the very end of the terminal, and our gate was the very last gate at the other end of the terminal. You can imagine, we are just running with our bags, like through, we are running. She just said, it's time to go, you go. And so we were going. And when we got there, there was like the last four people boarding through the gate. And it was actually like we were entering into heaven. They were the gates of heaven. And we had arrived. And today, I want to encourage us with this story of Israel when they come to their river of impossible. And they're finally about to cross over into that land which God had spoken to them about. And I want to have a look at, this is what I want to have a look at, at how they positioned themselves to take a hold of that promised land in spite of the impossible thing which was in their way. How did they position themselves? What happened to, to, to enter into that land which God had promised them a land that was good, and a land which was going to be pleasant for their life, how did they get over, even though there was an impossible obstacle in front of them? And so today we're going to go into the book of Joshua, and if you're following, we're going to be in Joshua chapter 3, and I'm going to read from verse 1. It says, Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim, and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have, been this, since you have never been this way before. <clears throat> Father, I just thank you for your written word, Lord. I thank you, Father, that you just reveal your heart to us. Father, in history, Lord, the way you interacted with your people speaks to us today of your heart and your desire for our lives. And Father, I just pray today, Lord, that we would be lifted up and encouraged. We would be filled with faith and assurance of your goodness and your faithfulness, Lord, to be able to cross whatever stands in front of us. And I just pray, Lord, Father, you would just have your anointing upon your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So we have, here we have Israel. They've been traveling around in the desert for 40 years, a long time. And they've left this town and they finally come to, to the Jordan River and they've moved into position. They've moved into position where they've come and they've set up camp and they're readying themselves to cross over into this Jordan River crossover, sorry, into the promised land. And they set up camp and they come and they're, they're waiting. They're waiting there for the officers to come and to tell them what are going to be the instructions about getting across this river. They're waiting there for the officers to come and to give them very detailed, specific instructions about what's going to happen. 
And eventually, when the time is just right, they get the green light to move out of their position, to move, to go. This is time. They've been given the instruction and then they get the green light. And their command and the one thing that they're told to do is that that ark of the Lord, that is what you are to follow. That is for you to follow, is follow that ark of the covenant. And so here they are, they're camping, camping by the river. Who loves camping? We got any campers? Who loves camping? I love camping. I just think, grew up camping, Broomshead and Gary, you know, going down there. Camping is just amazing. Who is not a camper? <laughs> Tony Prentice and Jet. Who else is, come hold them up. Who's not a camper? Ken and Rose, not campers, not campers. Louie, not a camper, no. Who, so you, when, the, when it's like option, do you want a tent or a cabin? You, you take the cabin, yes, cabin me. Cab, Air-conditioned cabin, Foxtel, lazy boy. Internet Wi-Fi, <laughs> nice. Somewhere to plug in your amps. All right, here's a great quote about camping. How about this? Camping equals paying money to live poor. Paying money to live poor. You want to know who that quote's by? My gorgeous wife, Nikki. <laughs> Paying money to live poor. Come on, kids. Convince mum. Let's go camping. <laughs> so here they are. They're camping. And what are they doing? They're setting themselves up and they're preparing themselves to cross over. And you know, for us in our lives, when we have rivers that are before us which are impossible, and there's a promise which God has spoken to us of a land of something better in our life, financially, ministrially, relationally, whatever area it is in your life, I really believe and I sense that there is a time, and when we're going through this theme, there's a time that we need to set up camp and we need to wait. We need to enter into that secret place with the Lord and hang out with the Lord and wait for Him to come and to speak to us about the instruction to move through this river. We need to position ourselves in a place where we can hear, where we can ready ourselves for what He is wanting to do. You know, when we face that impossible river, we have to wait, we have to camp out, we have to prepare ourselves for what God is going to do. Because it's God who will make the way. For Israel, it wasn't them who was going to do it. It was actually the supernatural, the power of God that was going to make the way. God will make the way in your life, whatever it is. God will make the way. But we need to come into the camp, into the upper room. When I'm talking about upper room, let me just, where's my Bible? I need my Bible. When I'm talking about the upper room, I'm talking about the quiet place, I'm talking about turn off the TV, go and hang out with the Lord and spend some time with Jesus. Dust off the Bible, open it up and let the living word of God speak into your life. Get accustomed and to tune to what he wants to say to you. Figure out how to read this thing and get it into your life. Memorize it. Hang out with the Lord. Put on your music. Whatever it is that gets you right there with the Lord, get into that place. Make a space for it. You won't stumble upon it. You won't accidentally fall into this great quiet time. You won't just find time. You make time. You, you have to actually read at a time when your eyes heavy and tired that you can't read. You have to choose the best time when you're alive and you're alert to get this into you to find what he wants to say to you. 
That's what I'm talking about when I'm saying getting into that upper room, getting into that place of camping in the tent. You see, God didn't intend for Israel to hang out in these tents and living in a desert forever. That wasn't God's intention for his people. Yes, for 40 years they traveled around in the desert as tents and dwellers, but God's word and God's promise and what he spoke to them was, I have a land for you which is good, which is flourishing. You know, and I'm sure they had times when they doubted, oh, yeah, I mean, this is it, this is it, not going to get much better. You know, I reckon there are times in our life we can just think, yeah, no, it's not getting any better. I don't know. God does good stuff for other people, but not me. God, God has promised whatever he has spoken to you, good land in whatever area it is. And I believe that he wants to bring us through. You know, and something that God does throughout scripture over and over with his people is he asks us to participate. Asks us to participate in what he's going to do and what he wants to do in our life. And for the Israelites, there came a time when it was for them to participate in what God was going to do in this moment. There came a time when it was time for them to move out, when the light was actually going to go from red to green and it was time to move and to do something, to take action, to, to, to go. And in Joshua 3, chapter 3, uh, chapter 3, verse 3, it says, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out of your position. It was like that lady at the airport when she leant over with the ticket and she said, don't wait around, don't do anything else, go right now, go quickly. Those instructions came. Our ticket, we had already purchased that ticket. We had paid the money, it was there, it, it, was, it was ours, the seat on that plane, but the time came when we had to do something, we had to act, we had to respond and do exactly what she said. Like, go right now. Like, now and fast, go. And you see, God, timing is everything. Different things that he's spoken to you individually. Different things that he's spoken to us as a church. God's timing is everything. At the right time, when his timing is the right timing. You know, we can... I. Sometimes when we're waiting for a long time with God, we can go, oh, yeah, but I'm pretty smart and I'm pretty capable and my skills are pretty good. I reckon I could negotiate this and fix it myself. You know, I've, I've, I've read a lot of books and, and, and I'm pretty good at this. I reckon I've got the right thing to say in this relationship and, and it's just going to fix it, you know, and we can go in and try it on our own and out of our own strength. You know, and it's not the right timing. Is it God's timing? Is it God's command? Is it God's whisper to you about, hey, this is the way to navigate? You see, this is unbelievable. As Eden's father, I actually know what's best for her. Can you believe it? I actually know more than somebody else. (laughs) Supernatural. I get that from the Lord. But she's two. <laughs> and she would argue with that. <laughs> Are you sure, Dad? I'm pretty sure I know what's best for me. She's, I mean, she's, she's, she's two. She's, she thinks she knows. 
And there's something about my little girl, Eden, that I know this is good for her. I absolutely know it. That my little girl, Eden, she needs to go to bed at 12 o'clock. <laughs> at 12 o'clock and stay in her room until 2 o'clock. There's two hours of every day that she needs to be in that room having her sleep. Otherwise, she's going to come out of that room and she's going to be cranky. She's going to be unsubmissive and she's going to be shroppy and it's going to be, and it's just not going to be pleasant for her. The rest of the afternoon is going to be difficult and she's going to be tired and, uh, uh, and you know, I will just love her and be patient and peaceful the whole way through. <laughs> but I know what's best for her. I know that she needs to stay in there and little Eden has just grown up just tall enough, just high enough and has just gotten strong enough that those door handles... <laughs> are no longer impossible. And she's able now to just open and to let herself out. And so the other day, last week, here's little Eden. Uh, we're just hanging around and little footsteps come pattering down. And we're like, it's not time for you to come out of your room yet. She's taking it onto herself to, uh, to come out and, 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 and she thinks she's ready to go. But see, we know, no, you're not, you're not, you need time out. You need that time in the day. It's good for you. We know you need that time because it's too early for you to come out. And so she comes out of her room, not in my time, not in our timing. She didn't have my authority to come out of her room. And there's a reason that I want her to wait in there. I don't want her to stay in there forever. Hallelujah. I don't want her to stay in there forever. I just know it's the right time is just stay a bit longer. You just need to be in there for a bit longer. I'm not going to keep you in there forever. I just, I know because it's better for you. I know more than you. Do you know God knows more than you? About your life. He knows more than you. And you know how much I love my little daughter and I want the best for her. Our Heavenly Father loves you and wants the best for you. We need to wait for his word, his timing, his authority, because it is perfect. It is perfect. It's got the perfect timing for our lives. Whatever impossible rivers there are, God's got a perfect timing and a perfect way to cross them. God loves impossible. You know, <clears throat> this might sound stupid, but the more impossible... You know, I just feel like sometimes the more impossible, the more ridiculous and absurd a situation is, the more we actually, as Christians, have a reason to rejoice and to celebrate and to get excited. Because if God has spoken it to you, He is faithful and He will do it. And when He does it, you will have a testimony of His goodness and of His glory. So if He's spoken to you, He will do it. And it's reason to rejoice and get excited. God is into impossible. Whatever it is, it might feel impossible for you right now. That relationship, that marriage, that business, that project, that thing which God has put birth within your heart, that dream, that desire to see come to fruit. Yeah, but I don't have the money. I don't know where it's going to come from. Yeah, I don't have the skill. I'm too shy. I can't talk. It's not going to... I, I, God, yeah, right. You've, you know, I, you've got songs you want to write. You've got things you want to produce or, or do, but it's like, no, I don't have this ability or the skill. But the Lord's shown you. He's spoken to you in that quiet place, in the secret place, things that he wants to do with your life. God does impossible. 
And there's crazy, this story with the Israelites, you know, these guys would have been pretty switched on about that river and about what time of the year would be the best time to cross. There's a wet season and there's a dry season. There's a time where there's lots of rain and not so much rain. And they would have been switched on about, hey, you know, we're going over to that land there. I reckon the best time of year is to come when that river is going to be at its lowest and it will be the best for us to be able to cross then. Has God got that idea? No. Good one, God. <laughs> Joshua chapter 3, verse 15, it says, Now the Jordan is at flood stage or during harvest yet. Yet this is the time that he chose. At flood stage. When it's flooding. When it's at its, at its biggest, when it's at its highest, he chooses to come then. To bring them at that moment. And you know what the enemy, our enemy, loves about flooding waters and rivers of impossibility before us? He uses those, those things to intimidate us, to, to scare us off, to, to take that thing which God has spoken, whatever it may be, whatever the hope of our heart is for our loved ones, he takes it and he, and he uses it to intimidate, yeah, yeah, it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen, and we can whimper away and whimper away and it can fizzle out and die. He loves to intimidate us, but you want to know what church? He can never actually take away what God has said. He can't touch it. He can't take away. He can't remove it because what God has spoken will come to pass. He can only intimidate. He can only fear you out. He can only, you know, make you, it's not possible. It's not possible. That's, That's all he can do. He will set your eyes on the impossible, on the river, and that's it, and you'll be stuck there instead of having your eyes up to the Lord and say, It's a a stream. You know, we can feel that intimidation even more so when we feel that we're doing the right thing. When we feel that we're actually being obedient to the Lord and we actually don't see anything happen. Now, that's a tricky situation to be in. When you feel for years you have kept your heart before the Lord and you've kept it right and you've kept following him and you're just thinking, Lord, why is it not happening? Why is this person not getting saved? Why is our family in this way still? Why is nothing happening? We've been doing everything right. You know, there's times when we just, not even times, this is your life. We have to make the resolve that we're going to trust the word of the Lord. Like trust that word that he has spoken. And put everything in and trust him. And no matter what goes on, we stand and we wait and because we know that he is faithful. In Joshua chapter 3 verse 14 and 16 it says, So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage or during harvest, yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a great heap a great distance away at a town called Adam. You see, as soon as God's people were obedient, it says that the water stopped. God was in action straight away. As soon, as soon, the water stopped. But where did the water stop? A great distance away upstream. Now, I just want you to think about this for a moment. 
upstream at a town of Adam. And from all the research which I could do and I could find out from where they were and to where this town Adam is, it's approximately the distance of 24 kilometres. And so 24 kilometres upstream, when the priests stepped into the river and they started carrying out the ark and Israel started to follow the word of the Lord, 24 kilometres upstream, the water stopped. And so all that water for the 24 kilometres has still got to come downstream and pass by all of Israel. And I reckon when they walked out into that river, absolutely nothing would have happened before their eyes. Right before their eyes, absolutely nothing would have begun to happen. And at that moment, they would have just felt like we are the stupidest people on the planet. And the Lord is not with us. He's abandoned us. What is happening? But they wait. They wait and that water comes and it comes past. And I just want to encourage us here today. If you feel you're in that water and you are waiting, just wait, just stand, just wait, because Lord is moving in your river of impossibility. He is moving something, and it says that as soon as they were obedient to that instruction, the Lord started to work. And just because we can't see it right before our eyes doesn't mean that it's not in the process of happening. You know what's the hardest thing to change? A heart. A human heart. You know, the things which we really want God to work in is relationships, stuff in a relationships. And it can take time, but God could be working, okay? We just have to wait. You know, for Israel, there was one way for them to get across this river. And that one way was to follow the Ark of the Covenant. That was it. It was to follow this Ark. And in verse 3 and 4, it says, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your position and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. You see, they had to have a point of reference to follow. Israel needed something to follow. You know, for all these years, they had desired this thing, this land which God had promised them. Their, their hearts would have sung and got joyful about this, 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 this great thing. And they wanted it. You know, but it was unexplored territory. They were moving into a realm and into a place they had never actually been before. And they didn't know where to go or how to navigate it or how to live in it or, or where it was that they needed to go. They needed someone to follow. And whatever those things are in our life, which we're, we're wanting to get into, we're wanting to, to cross over into. You know, we don't actually know what the future's like. We don't know what it's going to take of us. We don't know how it's going to change things and affect things. And we need, when even though come, that land comes that God has promised, we, we need someone to follow and to navigate through. And the ark of the Lord represents God's presence, represents the Spirit of God. And we need in our lives the Spirit of God to continually lead us and navigate us. Because even if we cross from where you are right now into where you want to be, you still need him when you get there. And you still need someone to be following. And this is all that Israel had was the Ark of the Promise. You know, camping out in the upper room. You know why it's so important to, to make that time in your life? to really get intentional about hanging out with him 
is because we need to get familiar with him. We need to get familiar with his presence. We need to get familiar with his word. We need to get familiar with with his voice so that we can actually hear what his instructions are to us. Say this, do this, position yourself here. We actually need to hang out with him and get to know him because he is the only one who can cause that river that is impossible to cross to be crossed. And we need to know what he is doing and what he is leading in our life. We need to hang out with him. We need to get to know him. And this is what upper living, upper room living is about. And I'm almost done. I'm coming. I'm, I'm going. Plane is coming in. Just over Papua New Guinea. We can see the land. Thank you, Jesus. That was a good feeling, I tell you. We had a big laugh when we got home. Poor Gideon. He, yeah, there we go. Gideon was the guy who got on the plane. And so he, when he was in Sydney, he had no idea and he just, like, what do you do? And the, the first plane came with all the girls and then they had no idea if we were going to get on the plane or whatever. So, it was, man, we had a lot of fun. That was cool. <laughs> uh, Kev, you want me to lead any schools? <laughs> He's not here. He'll organise it. <laughs> nice. You know, where we've come to in this story in Israel's Israel's history in Israel. We've journeyed with Israel. You know, this is a landmark moment in Israel's life. In this nation, in this people, this is a, this is, I mean, this is a landmark moment. If you pick up your Bible and you begin to read, you get to about Genesis 17 and you hear God give a man, Abraham, a promise and say, hey, I'm going to send you to this land and, and it's going to be yours. And from there, it goes on and on and on and the, we, we get to know this group of people called the Israelites and this promise of land of flowing of milk and honey. We're going to this land, this land, this land. And it just feels like the, all this time we're just journeying with these people to get to this land. And where we've met with these people is now we finally come to that moment where we're about to cross over into that actual land. It's like this is landmark stuff. This is a real moment where it's about to happen. You know, and there's one thing in this passage which I can't help but notice. I can't help but just go, wow, that's awesome. Because I don't know if you have hung around the Lord enough, or you need to know right now, that God doesn't just do coincidence. There's no coincidences with God. Everything's set up. Everything's got a, got a reason and a purpose. And everything, when we read in the Bible, is pointing to something or saying something. There's no, there's no just like, oh, wow, fancy that, coincidence. And the thing which I just can't get past and I just see it is that for three days they were camping. For three days they had to wait. They had to set up camp and for three days wait until that officer came and spoke to them and three days represents to me three days that Christ did the work to cross the most impossible river that in three days Jesus conquered death he redeemed mankind and he made a way back into a relationship with our creator in three days now Paul wrote that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he said that all this, all this, this, this three days' work, this, this, this sacrifice of his son, 
the, the power of God to raise him from the dead. This three, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. You know that once upon a time, each and every one of us were enemies with God. You were estranged from God. You were disconnected from God. You had absolutely no hope in the world to be connected with your creator. And the relationship that you have today and the joy and the, the, the just that you have today is thanks to those three days that Jesus crossed the most impossible river. And it's these three days. I believe that it's these three days that when we come and we set up camp, we set up camp in these three days. We come and we meditate on these three days. We come and we, 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 we pray on these three days. We come and in these three days that Jesus did this work, we find out who we are. Oh, I'm not loved. I'm, I'm just for the desert. He's not going to bring me into that. Hang on. Three days. What did he do for you? He gave his life for you. And if he's not going to spare even his own life for you, his own son for you, oh, he will take you from that desert place into that promised land. He will fulfill his promise. He will not withhold any good thing from you. And it's these three days that we must come and camp out on in these three days. <laughs> these three days we have that relationship with God that we have. That intimate relationship with the Lord. Thanks to Jesus. You know, and there's one more thing that we actually have to do in these three days, or what comes of these three days. And you know, it's these three days that we must all go through to be able to receive God's gift for us here today. And that is His gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, we all need an officer in our life to come and to speak to us and guide us and lead us every single step of the way. You will face impossible rivers. You will have challenges in your life. You will struggle. You will have things before you which hurt. You will come across these things in your life. And we all need a greater officer to speak and say this is the way this is what God is going to do God is going to make a way you know the three days of Jesus' death, burial, resurrection it was the prerequisite for the giving of the Holy Spirit that we would receive God's Spirit into our lives and we all must go through, we all must identify our lives with those three days. That I am a sinner and he died for me. There's day one. Day two, he defeated all the powers which try and destroy my life. He defeated. Day three, that the power of God is able to take dead things and make them alive. And my spirit, which is once dead, has now become alive. I identify with my heart and I say, thank you, Jesus. We all have to pass through those three days. And Jesus said in that upper room to his disciples, he said this, I have so much more to say to you. Wouldn't you just be like, say it, come on. We don't have anywhere else to be, creator of the universe. I mean, Whatever. I'll catch the plane later. He said, I have so much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. 
But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on His own, but He will speak only what He hears, and He will tell you what is yet to come. We can't see everything in our life. We can't see even tomorrow. We can't see beyond what's going to come. We can't see what's going to happen in the lives of people around us. We can't see what's going to happen in our workplaces. We can't see, you know, what exactly is going on in everyone else's life around us. We can't see it all. But there is someone who can see it all. And there is someone who is able to navigate us through it all. And there is someone who actually loves you. And he has a good intention for your life to bring you through that impossibility into an open land that is good. Believe that. If you're going to get away with anything here today, believe that, that he has a good plan for you. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commands to his disciples. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you. And be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him. They haven't been through the three days. But we can. We go through those three days, we can accept him and receive him into our life. Jesus says, you will know him for he will live within you. He will be in you. Jesus said, I won't leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I won't leave you stray in the desert. I will come to you and I will lead you and I will be your father who says, hey, now's the right time. Come, let me lead you. You know, we have to come and decide where we're going to set up our camp to cross our impossible rivers. Am I going to set up camp in front of the TV? Maybe the block will help me get through this impossible moment in my life. Maybe Koshi, Channel 7. Hey, maybe if I have enough gold, that might help. Maybe if I drink enough of this. No. We need to set up camp in those three days creator of the world gave his son die for us and go whoa he loves me (laughs) we need to receive his spirit and tune our ears to hear and when he speaks go yeah go on as hard as it is because I know that you love me and you've got a plan for me and his timing is right hallelujah Whatever is happening in your life right now, his timing is right. What is your promised land? What has God spoken to you? What is, where, what is in your life right now that you want change? That you are not completely satisfied. You're not completely, you know, fulfilled in that. You, you, you would know, no, it's not right. It's not the way it's supposed to be. You don't set up home camping it's temporary God was bringing them to a land which they could set up home and relax and live an enjoyable life in what is it in your world in your life that you need to cross over into you want to get to 
And what is the river that's in front of you? What's the impossible? What is it? Is it you? Is it your own doubt? Is it somebody else? No, I really believe that the Lord wants to speak to some people this morning. Ooh. Some people need to just get their life right with the Lord and come and camp in those three days. Make that resolve and that decision that you're going to set up camp in those three days and live your life out of those three days. And instead of trying and trying and trying in your own strength to get across that river, come back and set up camp and wait upon your Father in heaven for Him to work and to move in your life. Why don't we all stand? If you've never identified your life with those three days, can I just say, you need to? <laughs> God loves you. That is where you need to start. You need to start right there at that point. And if you don't know how to start there, look to the cross. Because the cross was not just a historical event which took place and it's written down in history. You know, so, no, the cross was a monumental moment where what was supposed to befall on us, the wrath of God, the punishment for our sin, the one who was imperfect took it for us. And that says, I love you. And that is where we start. And if you just need to receive this morning, I just want to invite you to come, to receive, to open up your arms and just receive from the Lord what he has for you. If you've never given your life, I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to just believe for a brand new start in your life, for God to do something in your world and for salvation. And why don't you, if you've got a river of impossible, why don't you come this morning and just present it before the Lord and just get real with Him about the impossible and just ask Him for some help to get across. And come and just set up camp in that place and attune to what He wants to say to you. Stop running from intimidation and fear. <laughs> Don't let it. Don't let the enemy's intimidation scare you off the dream that he's put in your heart. Come on, get some hope back. I feel like some people this morning need to get some hope back, need to get some courage back in your life. You need to stop looking at the river and start looking at the Lord and let some hope come back for the dream that you've had for years. Let some hope come back for that. Health, relationships, whatever it is. Set up camp in the right spot and wait for the Lord.